One of the great challenges of our faith is to believe in a God whom we can't see. More than, even more than that, to devote our lives to following this God who is not visible to us. Is that a challenge to anybody else but me? Believing isn't always easy, and particularly in our context, in a culture that increasingly responds to the claims of Christ with a, yeah, right, attitude. Crossed arms, skepticism. There are increasingly large numbers of people around us who take this approach. You want to tell me about Jesus? Well, why don't you tell me about the Easter Bunny while you're at it? That's the stance a lot of people take in our day and time and in this culture. Uh, this hostility to faith is a little bit comical if you think about it. Everybody has faith. A Houston minister named John Bassano uh, put it this way, faith is, at the, faith is the heart of life. You go to a doctor whose name you can't pronounce. He gives you a prescription you cannot read. You take it to a pharmacist you've never seen. He gives you a medication you do not understand, and yet you take it. That is living by faith. I think he has a point. Um, Our faith is in someone, capital S, someone who right now is intangible, even though we live in a tangible material world. Uh, We're surrounded by visible, tangible, land, water, houses, cars, tables, people. We're surrounded by stuff we can see and touch, and yet we're called to believe in one whom we can't see, and that is challenging. That is the challenge of faith. A.W. Tozer wrote, faith is seeing the invisible but not the non-existent. And that's the thing. You know, some people think uh, faith is believing in something that's not actually there. Biblical faith means believing in a creator who really exists, but a creator we can't see. You know, most people in this room today, if you've made the effort to be here, uh, most likely it means you've come to the place where you believe in Jesus, we, we, we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that he's the Son of God, that he is Lord, and that he is Savior. Obviously, something huge happened in and around Judea 2,000 years ago. Uh, the, this movement of people who chose to follow the example and teachings of Jesus Christ, and this movement swelled and swelled and swelled and eventually became this tidal wave in history. And we believe all this happened because God himself came in the flesh and lived among us and taught us his ways and showed us what real, what, what real life is. That's why all this happened, that he is our Savior and that we have eternal life through him. So I don't think that believing in Jesus is the biggest challenge that most of us have in, our, in terms of our faith today. We believe in Jesus, even though it is a challenge, even though it's not the easiest thing in our jaded and skeptical culture. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's why most all of us are here today. Although obviously this church welcomes spiritual seekers and people who haven't yet reached this conclusion, but most all of us are here today because we have faith in Jesus, right? But let me share what I think is a bigger faith struggle for many of us. Bigger than uh, putting our faith in Jesus, believing in him. It's this. For many of us, our faith is something that at least sometimes hardly seems real. We trudge through life from day to day, and at least sometimes 
our faith isn't vital or vigorous or muscular. It's something that just kind of fades into the background and stays there, something that kind of sits on a shelf. Um, Let me flesh this out a little bit. You know, I think it's easy to believe, like when we're gathered together and we're we're singing praises to God, uh, we're singing the 23rd Psalm and we're pouring out our hearts to him. At least for a lot of us, that's a time, you know, when, when belief is powerful. But how about tomorrow... Uh, at work, or at your grandkids' soccer game, or uh, when you're going out to eat, or whatever it is you're doing, a lot of times the the realness of uh, faith kind of fades into the background and becomes vague, indistinct, ethereal, otherworldly. Some, to put it a different way, sometimes faith becomes pretty disconnected from our daily lives. We get so involved in the everydayness of life that faith isn't at the front of our minds. We don't, re- even though we don't want it to be that way, it, it happens sometimes. Are, are you with me on that? I, surely I'm not the only person who's ever experienced this. Well, right now I want us to sing a song together that makes a real proclamation about what we believe and more to the point whom we believe. And Curtis is going to come up here. Do, do you want the Do you want the mic? No, you got it. All right, you all right, all right. Tony is in the back. All right, but you're you're gonna start us off though. All right. Yeah. All right. However you want it to be. Uh, God is so good. That's how we're starting. God is so. affirmations we just were singing, Jesus is real. 
Jesus is real. And I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that. Thank you, brother. It's true, isn't it? Jesus is real, even when it doesn't seem like it. Even though sometimes we live our lives with a scant awareness of it, Jesus is real, even when we can't feel him. Jesus is real, even when it doesn't seem that day. And at this point, I want to I want to consider a passage of Scripture that pictures Jesus after his resurrection and ascension, not when he's walking on the earth. After the resurrection and ascension, it shows, it demonstrates Jesus as active and engaged in what's going on in in his world. Acts chapter 9. A Jesus who hasn't retired, amen? A Jesus who isn't sitting in a rocking chair in heaven whiling away the time. A Jesus who isn't removed from what's going on in people's lives. A Christ who is active and on the move. I'm going to start at the beginning of Acts chapter 9. And and this is uh, telling the story of of Saul. Well, we, we call him Paul. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1, God's word says this. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now most folks, uh, church folks, know this story. Saul, who was one of the foremost persecutors of the early church, from this point forward becomes the greatest promoter of the Christian faith. After Jesus meets Saul... Let me say that after Jesus meets Saul on the road to Damascus, Saul's life is forever and completely changed. The one who hates the church for proclaiming Jesus' lordship falls in love with Jesus. Saul becomes known by the Greek version of his name, Paul, the Apostle Paul. The fierce persecutor of Christ's church, the murderer, becomes its best promoter and advocate. Saul, Paul, converts countless people starts many, many churches, writes one-third of the New Testament. His life becomes totally and completely about Jesus. And while I don't think everybody should expect a Damascus Road experience, we should know that Jesus is still here on earth doing some things. He is not sitting in a rocking chair. He's not watching from the sidelines. Jesus is engaged, and he connects with people's lives in a real way. He still cares about people. He wants people to come to know him. He's not sitting in a rocking chair in heaven removed from what's going on down here. He's real. Now, there's another passage uh, I want to share today that Uh, shows Jesus, again, actively engaged with his church in a powerful and dynamic way. Revelation chapter 1. Verse 
we need to see Jesus as real, not um, not as a picture in some old paintings with a, sort of a halo glow over his head, but but we need to see a, a, a strong, active, powerful Christ doing some stuff. Revelation one seventeen. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. That's John's testimony. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. Capital L, capital O. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now, what are the golden lampstands? We just, seven churches. He walks among the seven lampstands, the seven churches. I think I read that right, didn't I? Verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and will remove your lampstand from its place. Now, in these first three chapters of Revelation, Jesus has a message for uh, seven churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, um, and, and really for churches in seven cities in, in Asia Minor. Uh, and he sends this message through the Apostle John, who had been maybe his closest friend while uh, he was living his life here on earth. To some churches, Jesus Christ, the Lord, gives sharp and stinging rebukes. You've read these three chapters. Some churches he happily commends. There are some real attaboys here. But my point is that Jesus isn't just some figurehead leader of the church. He isn't some plastic religious figurine. Jesus is not somebody who used to do amazing stuff. He did not retire. Uh, he's the church's active head. So what we sing is true. We sing Jesus is real. In another song, we sing Jesus is living in his church. Je the, 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 the head of the church, the active leader of the church is Jesus Christ. He's not sitting on the sidelines. He's involved in our lives. Um, and the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians that Jesus dwells in our hearts through faith. That's what God's word teaches. He, he dwells in our hearts through faith. Our relationship with Jesus, hear this, is a real, vibrant, dynamic relationship with a living person. Jesus dwells in our hearts through faith. We can live having an experience of the risen Christ and his power in our hearts and in our lives. We can know in a real way his resurrection power. We can claim Jesus as a friend. A real, warm, personal, day-by-day -day relationship with a living person. That's what we have. 
And I believe that Jesus is here with us at this very moment. He cares about what's going on here. Wherever two or three are gathered, there I am also, Jesus said. In 1 Corinthians, there's a passage in which the Apostle Paul is dealing with a tough situation, a Christian man who is in an adulterous and incestuous relationship. Paul calls the church to come together and deal with the situation. And in that context, Paul writes that as the church gathers Jesus himself will be in their presence at that meeting. Jesus in power in their midst. You believe Jesus is here right now? Jesus is here right now. He cares a great deal about what's going on right now. And on Monday, he'll care a whole lot about what's going on with us then too. And I don't think that's, this is all mere religious speak. This is a vibrant reality, and it's still true. Jesus is present and involved in what we're doing at this very moment. And I hope that gives everybody a sense that what's happening today isn't mere mundane r- rituals. You know, we're not, just saying, we're not just saying a prayer. You know, we're not just having a sermon. God is speaking to us. God's listening to us. Uh, Our worship touches his heart. Jesus is here today at our gathering, and I don't think it gets much more real than that. He's in your heart by faith. He's with us at this gathering. He'll be with you when you leave today. He'll be with you when you go to work tomorrow, when you're having coffee with somebody, wherever you go. He'll help you when you wrestle with a difficult decision later on this week. He is the living Lord. He said, I was dead, but I'm alive forever and ever. And he is with his people always. That's what he promised. I think this ought to make a difference in how we live every day. Jesus is with us. It's a reality we should know and be aware of and live every day. Jesus is actively engaged in his world, and he's actively engaged with his people. He is living in our hearts. He sustains the universe and all things hold together in him. He's convicting people. He's touching people's lives. He's changing people. He's transforming lives, and he's saving people. And here's a cool thing about all of this. He lets us join with him in his wonderful work. Several years ago, I was reading a book on church growth, and the writer quoted a church member who had said this. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but this is the heart of it. In my old church, we used to talk about God like somebody who used to do things historically, long ago. But in my new church, people talk about God like he's somebody who's alive and who's doing things now. Our faith in Jesus is as real as we make it. Because he's available He wants to be real with us. Jesus is as real as we allow him to be in our lives because that's the way God's designed it. He responds to faith. He lets us choose. Do you want Jesus to be real in your life? You can choose that. Have you ever noticed that Jesus is more real to you when you you choose to live close to him and follow him more closely? And he feels less real in your life when you choose not to follow him very closely. We sense God's presence in our lives when we live close to him and when we open our eyes to what he's doing in in the world and what he's doing in our lives. We can experience the power of God in our lives when we choose to cooperate with him in what he's doing. Baptist preacher D.L. Moody, in in the 1800s, Moody wrote this, I prayed for faith and thought that someday it would come down and strike me like lightning. 
but faith didn't seem to come. One day I read in Romans that, quote, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had up, up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I opened my Bible and began to study, and faith has been growing ever since. Amen. I also shared with you a, a few months ago a story from uh, D.L. Moody that uh, a widow lady had come to him wanting to talk to him, and not only was she a widow, she had lost her daughter. And so she told him how alone she felt and how lifeless and meaningless her life felt to him, to her. And Moody made a suggestion to her. She said, what I want you to do every day is start talking to God like he's really there. When you come home, greet him. Say hello to him. When you're lighting the fire in the fireplace, talk to him. Tell him how your day went. Talk to him. Moody met the same lady a few months later, and she described to him, you would not believe how real God has been in my life. When God calls us to faith, he's not calling us to believe despite a lack of evidence. There's plenty of it. There's plenty of evidence that God has left in his world. Um, believe the evidence, the eyewitness testimony of those who knew Jesus, his unique teachings, the impact that Jesus has made in the world. There's, there's plenty of evidence. When the Apostle Paul went to the, uh, uh, to the intellectuals in Athens, he didn't say, gee, I don't know, fellas, it's just this feeling I have in my heart, even though that is part of the story. But Paul suggested, believe the evidence that God has left in his world. He's not left himself without testimony. Jesus lives. Jesus holds the universe together. Uh, he lives in my heart, and he's changing lives at this very moment today. Christian apologist Josh McDowell wrote this. My father's life was changed right before my eyes when he trusted Christ. It was like someone reached down and switched on a light inside him. He touched alcohol only once after that. He got the drink only as far as his lips, and that was it. After 40 years of drinking, he didn't need it anymore. Fourteen months later, he died from complications of his alcoholism. But in that 14-month period, over 100 people in the area around my tiny hometown committed their lives to Jesus Christ because of <clears throat> excuse me because of the change they saw in the town drunk my dad and this is a story that has played out millions and millions and even billions of times Jesus Christ is changing people's lives he is still he is still leaving evidence of his work in our world billy graham said this Faith is the avenue to salvation, not intellectual understanding, not money, not your works, just simple faith. How much faith? The faith of a mustard seed. So small you can hardly see it. But if you will put that little faith in the person of Jesus, your life will be changed. He will come with supernatural power into your heart. It can, it can happen to you, he says. Jesus is not just some plastic religious figurine. And so I, I, I want to I, I invite you right now. Does anybody have a testimony they would like to share at this point? Does anybody want to share why they believe that Jesus is real? 
Um, sure, now is a great time. Sure, yes, absolutely. Amen.
and uh, and the next thing you know, we're supposed to be decorating up to meet Jesus. And I remember thinking, oh, oh, and I'm driving my old Chevy van that I had for like 15 years from when Sam and I were married. <laughs> I drove this van until it was dead, maybe 18 years. And I remember thinking, oh, I've got to go pick up Barbara. She's my best friend. So I had to go pick up my best friend because we're all gathering this weekend. Thank you. The well, the beast is beaten. God is real, and we're one day closer to heaven than we've ever been before. You know that that bus is the bus I want to be on. That's heading in that direction. Thank God that we're on it. Any anybody else? Does anybody want to share why you believe Jesus is real? Yes, Terry. Praise God. Do you think Jesus was homeless at one point? Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. I think what you're describing is pretty real, Terry. It's about as real as it gets. You know, I think historically most people have realized that there's more to the universe than meets the eye. Just as there is a physical, tangible universe, there's also the spiritual, the, the part that you cannot see. Human beings recognize this almost intuitively down through history, like it's hardwired into us, which I believe it is. So let me just remind you, Jesus is real. He's with us at this very moment. He's dwelling in your heart by faith. Let Jesus be real in your life this week. Let's stand up and sing a song of encouragement.